Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. On this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast, I interviewed someone I've been working with over the last few months um, in the mortgage note investing space and also just general uh, kind of personal finance stuff. But um, Lewis Miranda, Lewis's story is uh, extremely moving and involved and talk about adversity. Uh, he grew up in extreme poverty in Peru, it faced um, some Related challenges, uh, I mean, you're talking no electricity, no running water, abuse. Then he bounced around in uh, different foster homes. And, um, you know, I, I just can't even relate personally. Um, he actually shows, if you get the chance to watch on YouTube or watch the video uh, elsewhere, he shares his screen and shows the the house that he grew up in, which apparently is now even bigger than it was. But I mean, it looks like a war zone, to be honest. And I spent a year in Iraq and I mentioned that on the, on the episode that the conditions he grew up in remind me of, you know, Iraq during the war. Um, and um, so Lewis has faced some real adversity, eventually got to the U S and, um, is now living a much more abundant life for sure in many ways. And so there's so many uh, nuggets of wisdom throughout this episode. I can't do it any justice in a couple, couple of minutes here, but I think, um, you know, if you're ever having a bad day, <laughs> fire up this episode and listen to some of the things that uh, Lewis has gone through. One of the key points I want to highlight for this episode is that, you know, he did kind of, uh, he'd arrived at at one point uh, several years ago where he was making good money. His life was, uh, from a financial standpoint and material standpoint, much, much better than it was um, many years ago, but he still wasn't satisfied. So, um, you know, the path from adversity to abundance is not a direct one and it's not, uh, you know, an overnight change there are many ups and downs and it's an emotional roller coaster. I think uh, many people will be able to relate to uh, different elements of this show, um, this episode. And I just want to thank Lewis for being vulnerable because it's not easy to come on and share personal things like this. He's now instituted a Zen practice and he's very much into 
spirituality and um uh you know that element of of sitting and creating space um and so you know it's not just about chasing the dollar um it's more about serving others being a part of something bigger than yourself and uh the 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 whole human uh part of uh, uh, i guess element of things versus just um you know, work, 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 trying to chase the dollar. Um, it's really, really an interesting episode and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Inspiring stories of real people overcoming incredible odds to live life to the fullest. We are all guaranteed to face hardships. How will we handle the adversity? Join us to be moved by everyday people who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. Be inspired as these relatable heroes get vulnerable and former counterintelligence investigator Jamie Bateman puts his interviewing skills to the test. Restore your faith in humanity as you experience true Cinderella stories of average people turning surreal struggle and deep despair into booming businesses and financial fortune. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live and turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman. I almost said good deeds there, let's be honest. And I am excited today um, to... I'm joined by Louis Miranda. Um, Louis is a fellow Node investor and somebody I've been working with a little bit. We've been working together over the last few months. I'm really excited to talk to Lewis and dive into his background and some of the adversity, abundance, and maybe more adversity and maybe more abundance that he's been through. So, um, Lewis, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, just like I went uh, walking this morning, so I'm kind of refreshed. Um, I, I did my sitting. So, um, nice. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing good. I need to get that lion mindset out of the way. That's something from power of wind that uh, Chris mentioned. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh huh. I wake yeah. up at five thirty, so I'm kind of energetic and trying to find a way to settle down, you know. For okay, <laughs> for nice. I wish I was energetic at five thirty. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. Everybody's wired differently. Hmm. Um, so yeah, this is this is awesome. I really uh, I'm excited to get into your story. I know you shared a good bit of it with me mm-hmm. um, last week, and it's um, you've been through a lot, and we're going to get into that. Um, mm-hmm. But for the listeners out there who are unfamiliar with who you are, can you give us just kind of an overview of kind of, you know, a snapshot of who you are today and what you have going on? Yeah, sure. Uh, um, I'm a software developer uh, part-time now. I switched over uh, last year and uh, I'm growing uh, my, my notes portfolio. Um, I've been doing that uh, since last year. This year we're targeting to, to go to a uh, hundred thousand uh, in assets and then next year, I would like to hit, hit a two hundred thousand. So yeah, just starting yes. up. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and okay. uh, yeah, and, and that's that's on the business side. And then on my on my personal side, uh, I'm a Zen practitioner. I've been practicing Zen for three years uh, at a center down closer to Philadelphia. Um, so yeah, that's been that's been a game changer for me in terms of uh, uh, you know thinking of others and unity and and. Uh, you know, that, that spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We're definitely going to get into that. Um, and so you're outside of the Philadelphia area. Is that right? Yep. Gotcha. How long have you been there for? 
Uh, I've been here now for, uh, it's been six years. Uh, okay. Living outside of here, yeah. I, I was living in Jersey when I first came to the States, jumped around. We'll get into that later. Uh, but then moved yeah. to, to a title Philly after I graduated from school. And uh, yeah, for, for gotcha. work. Okay. So, I mean, from the surface, and again, we we obviously are going to gloss over a ton of important details from your from your life. We only have a limited amount of time, and that's true with every guest. Um, but from the surface, on the surface, you know, from the high level viewpoint, I would say that, you know, for our listeners out there, you strike me as right, you know, as who you are today, kind of an everyday person that people can relate to, right? You're not Grant Cardone or, you know, <laughs> uh, you, you, you're not worth $50 billion. You're not like crushing it. So I think this, this episode, um, I'm really hoping our listeners can really relate to you as yeah. a human. Um, so I know you wanted to share your screen. So why don't you go ahead and, and do that? And we're going to jump into your backstory and, um, and go from there. So go ahead and share your screen and then, um, let us know, uh, yeah. what, what, what is this here for those on watching on YouTube? Yeah, this here is, uh, this is the, the home I was, uh, I was born and raised in Peru, uh, South America. And, uh, this was the, the home that I was raised. Um, there was only two, it's only two rooms in that whole house. They did an extension, uh, I guess after I left to the States, but there were only two rooms growing up, the, the bedroom and the other room was like everything else, living room. So this is, this is bigger than what you grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was only the backside, uh, that was, that was there. And then, um, Growing up uh, in this home, we didn't have electricity. Uh, so what my stepdad would do is he used to steal electricity from this light post here. Uh, so we would have electricity when the light post came on, maybe like hmm. 6 p.m. And then uh, it'll close electricity in the morning, 6, 6 in the morning. And then it, whenever he gets caught by the, I guess, municipality, they cut it off. And then we'll just have to have the candle on for, for dinner time, you know? Wow. Yeah. And um, then, we, um, we get upset when we lose power for an hour. <laughs> yeah i'm used to that now you know <laughs> yeah it's all relative i guess but okay so yeah tell us more about what it was like to grow up here yeah yeah so there was uh here here this this used to be our neighbor next door he used to have a water well so we didn't have running water or sewers uh either so we used to uh, pay him to like every month to get us some water from his well and we used to just keep it in tall buckets um and you know if you need to flush the toilet you have to just dump water down to the toilet mm -hmm. to 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 get it to flush because um we don't have uh, you know water so yeah that is i mean this and i don't mean to keep jumping in but i told you before we hit record when you showed this to me i said this my first reaction was this reminds me of iraq um yeah. just certain parts of and and not the honestly not the nicer parts you know to be fair um yeah you know, I spent a year in Iraq and this actually really does bring back some memories. So yeah, not, um, I wouldn't say from a financial standpoint, you were living in abundance. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. No, uh, we would sometimes, my, my stepfather, he was uh, an alcoholic uh, and, you know, so he would, we sometimes didn't have money coming into the house. We'll go a day without food, maybe two days, uh, you know, and so at, at that early age, uh, I would go uh, visit my my aunt. Uh, she she lives down. We we where my house is at. We're up on the on on the mount side of the mountain. This is a valley, and so downtown is where like you have the, the running water, the electricity, and so forth. But not up where we at. 
So mm-hmm. I, I will go down to down downtown, double quotes, mm-hmm. I guess, and uh, and just help her. You know, I was probably less than ten years old. I was helping her out, uh, like pluck uh, pluck chickens because she used to mm-hmm. sell up up for front in front of her house. And um, I remember I was doing that for a bit. She would give me uh, the blood, the chicken blood, in, in a bag. I used to take it home. My mom figured out how to make some meal out of it, like rice, mm-hmm. uh, fried rice, and the chicken. Uh, the blood coagulates, so it kind of you can like it tastes like liver the texture so mm-hmm. uh, so i was kind of helping out where i can at the point um you know because like i said my stepdad he would jump from job to job doing construction so it wasn't steady income coming into the house yeah right right yeah i had a my brother is in uh taiwan and he made me try uh pig's blood when i was over there but mm-hmm. um which was different <laughs> yeah. um so yeah why well, I, I know like i said you shared some some real serious you know, difficult, um, you know, adversity challenges that you went through as a child. And we're not going to get into, you know, obviously all the details and, Mm -hmm. and certainly feel whatever, uh, share whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Um, I I appreciate you being vulnerable on on the show and, um, I'm sure there are a few listeners out out there that are going to be able to relate to some of what you say, at least. So, um, if you don't mind dive into some of the, kind of, you know, relationship. I mean, the poverty is, is just apparent. And it's, I, I don't, you know, I don't know what that's like on a day-to-day basis. Right. Yeah. Um, but I know you went through some additional yeah. hardships. So um, please share about that if you would. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think, uh, so growing up for me, it was about looking for stability. I think that's a normal, normal thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so living in this home with my stepdad and so forth, there was, uh, you know, like um, he, he, the reason he was my stepdad is because my mom, he, she walked away from an arranged marriage with him to, to uh, be with my father. And they, when they had me, he left to the States and then, you know, she had, she needed help like supporting me so she mm-hmm. got back with my stepdad so uh you know growing up in the house uh he really he, i i feel like uh, you know like uh he will come get up on my mom drunk in the middle of the night or he will come and uh you know also hit me like um you know for sometimes if, like i feel like it's no reason like anything that i can justify as a kid mm-hmm. uh so uh you know uh that was well that was one aspect of it and then he that was this home here so Looking for stability, uh, my grandmom's house, uh, my my father's uh, mother. Uh, mm-hmm. so I would go visit her uh, once in a while, you know, and then uh, that that kind of felt cozy out of the violence. And uh, I kind of she kind of she tried to take uh, you know um, custody of me, and she succeeded. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, a lot of a, a fight back and forth, and then I ended up with her. And I told, oh, you know, I thought this was you know this is more stable. Stable, uh, and, and I mean, just if I can chime in, I mean. It yeah. seems like not just stable, but also safe and yeah. secure, I would guess. Right. Yes. Yes. They, they lived in a better, in a different city and they had their own little store and so forth. Uh, so they had a, a way to maintain themselves at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. It felt safe and there was food coming in, you know, mm-hmm. breakfast, lunch and dinner and so forth. So, yeah, it felt more stable that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, then, then you know, uh, then all uh, to me, it felt like all of a sudden as a child, uh, she started to also mistreat me. Like, uh, mm-hmm. and I, like growing up now, if I feel like it was more of my grandfather putting pressure on her mm. uh, and, and maybe that led to, you know, her 
changing the way she was treating me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was one aspect of it. The other aspect uh, uh, I mentioned to you before was also uh, I was th- that was that was where uh, I had a cousin of mine that it started that uh, that started to molest me. Uh, so I, I went through I went through that also there. And he was, uh, it was just, it wasn't just me, it was uh, other, you know, other cousins that I knew there too. And I was a kid, uh, maybe like uh, around 10 years old at that point. Uh, so, you know, so, so that didn't feel stable anymore. Uh, and, sure. and, and then, and then from there, my grandma, um, you know, she, she, my father got, you know, they were, I was staying in touch with my dad in the States. And mm-hmm. then uh, he brought, you know, he was, he wanted to know if I wanted to live with him. I say, yeah, you know, that's something I, I want to do, you know, and mm-hmm. then uh, so we, we worked on that and, uh, you know, and I uh, got my green card came to the States, maybe at the age of 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. So and again, I mean, I'm obviously not a, a therapist, not that you're coming to me mm-hmm. for, <laughs> yeah. for that, but, you know, it's I, there's not not much I can say other than I'm, I'm really sorry you, you went through all that. And yeah. it's very easy to say that um, we're talking 12 mm-hmm. years, it sounds like of of real real pain and adversity and this isn't uh 12 days or 12 months i mean this is very you know i don't know how old you are now but i imagine 12 years is it's a good chunk of your life yeah um regardless of uh your age but now i I, you know that's just something i can't fully relate to but Mm -hmm. okay so um basically didn't have any any safety and security or stability, as you said, um, in any of the anywhere you were living mm. in, in Peru, any of the family members you place trust in. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like th- there was just that always went south. I mean, it just yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. so you probably got some serious trust issues. I and mean, this yeah. is me playing playing therapist, but and mm. um, you know have never really felt safe and secure or, or, and, and then the poverty, I mean, just all of it. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a lot going on there. Um, so yeah. Okay. So 12 years old, approximately you, you make your, your, your father asked you if you want to come to the States and there was, um, some work there. It sounds like to make that happen. Yeah. And yeah. then you come to the States, pick it up from there if you would. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, with my father uh, in the States and, you know, I probably lived with him for like a year and that's, you know, uh, 12 out of 12 years of my life. Uh, that was the longest I lived with my father. He will come to this to Peru and I will see him maybe for like a week. Then he'll leave, you know, and, and whatnot. So fine. So I came here, felt that was stable. I was in a home. He was this was in New Jersey, uh, right outside of Northfield, outside of Atlantic City. So they had their jobs in Atlantic City working at the casinos. And, and, you know, it, it felt stable. I was going, starting to go to school, uh, learning English and so forth. And then, uh, then you know, then things turned again because uh, I came to find out that he was molesting my step, uh, my stepsister. And, you know, and, and I felt I felt like I should do something because, like I said, growing up also, I was getting molested. But then also my cousins were and I felt like I wasn't doing anything like I could have done something. I always felt bad about that. So this time I felt like I needed to do something. I went to my to my school teacher, told them about it. They took me out of the home and I ended up in uh, in foster care. So, uh, again, you know, not stable. Uh, right. And then in this case, uh, we, we, you know, this first home uh, foster home that I was staying at, um, you know, I, I felt like this was a place like I was there for like at least a year. 
so I'm like, maybe, maybe this is the place that, you know, I can grow up in. And mm-hmm. then, uh, and so there was, uh, another, 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 uh, uh, foster kids there that they left to live with their parents and then their parents, the, the story that I got after everything happened is that their parents tried to extort like, uh, money out of my foster parents like so the way they did it is um, they took them to court um talking about like you know my foster dad was like um you know do like like molesting my 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 uh i like that the other the foster kid that was there and uh you know and they, they took him to court because of that uh but that never went through uh they dropped it after they found out there was no money really to be had there right in the lawsuit so mm. at that point everybody's everybody left the home right i was in another home the damage point, was done at that point. Absolutely. Damage is done. Like they were like blacklisted from being foster, uh, foster parents. And, uh, and so oh. I think, I think at that point I'm maybe 14 or 15 and, and I kind of like, I gave up basically in terms of stability. Uh, so that's where I started to go to school and, you know, I'm in like middle school and the, the, and growing up there, you know, kids, like you see kids smoking in the bathroom, uh, just like that, the wrong crowd kind of coming up, like being, mm-hmm. being part of it. Right. So, and, and at that point, that was kind of like where, where I decided to go. And I remember there was a turning point where, where a teacher in middle school asked me, you know, you used to be such a nice child coming into the school here. You know what happened? And the, my, my feedback to her was that, you know, basically like being nice doesn't get you anywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And so wow. that was yeah. a point for me. That was, like I said, like, like around uh, 14 or 15. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and so, and, and so just from there, uh, jumping from, from foster home to foster home at that point until the age uh, of 18, uh, somewhere in the middle running away uh, from my foster home, stayed in a shelter. Then I, I stayed, stayed up. I, I went to Salem. I ended up in Salem somehow. Stayed in an abandoned house there. Um, this is Salem, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New Jersey, Salem house. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's a, several Salem's. <laughs> yeah, sorry, good point. Yeah. Salem, New Jersey. Okay, yep. Yeah. So I and I, so I was there, you know, for a few months. We're breaking into like uh into like a like a like a food stand uh, to get food for us, and we staying in this abandoned like this boarded up home or whatever. And then from their detention center, you know, I was, again, this was a part of my life until the age of 18 that I'm like, I really don't care where I end up. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, so I don't know if I mentioned already, I dropped out of school. Uh, mm-hmm. I decided like, what's the point? Like, I just want to start making money. Like I'm good with mm-hmm. just like people that I knew at that point were doing construction work. Uh, maybe because of the whole real estate stuff happening around that time, it was like mm-hmm. booming. So a lot, of, a lot of work. So I'm like, what, around what time was this? What year? Uh, this was in the, I would say, uh, in the late, in the late 1990s or mm-hmm. early 2000s. Gotcha. Early 2000s. But at this point, you're, it's, I mean, it's day to day. Your future is not what you're really focused on. Yeah, um, you're, you're trying to make ends meet and. Kindness is not getting you anywhere. So it's, yeah. it's just, um, you know, you're a product of your, of your environment at this point. I mean, yeah. uh, which is not a healthy one. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and you can, you know, just, just for context, growing up in, in the, during that time, like I said, mm-hmm. it was the wrong crowd, but you know, uh, rap, rap was a, a thing. And it was a part of a culture that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of, you know, Tupac, Biggie, Jay-Z, like they, they didn't speak about going to school and be educated. They talk mm-hmm. about drugs and, you know, and money and, uh, mm-hmm. and guns and things like that. And mm-hmm. so around that time meeting, I, I met someone that was older than me. I kind of saw him I, like my older brother. 
and he was into Scarface. And I don't know if you ever watched mm-hmm. Scarface, but Scarface is about you know sell, uh, making making it big by selling drugs, right? Mm-hmm. And so he kind of introduced me to 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 coke and the ecstasy. And uh, I remember when we kind of parted ways, like he offered me like uh, doing to do heroin together before he left. And, uh, and that was that, and I did that once because for, thankfully, Jamie, for me, Coke and ecstasy and heroin, I wasn't like addicted to, thankfully, like mm-hmm. like for, you know, thankfully, that was something that I tried and that was easy for me to draw because Coke, for example, like was giving me like a locked jaw when, in the next day. And mm-hmm. that was like not 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 a not a not a fun mm-hmm. feeling, you know, I'm like. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so all these things. And then, uh, so, you know, I ended up in technical school at the age of 18 because foster care was like, hey, we, you know, like you're, only, you're an adult now, right? You got to go somewhere. So I ended up in uh, mm-hmm. upstate New York uh, in a technical school funded by the federal government. And kids from like New York City will end up there uh, to mm-hmm. get their life together. Like the judge will send them there, for example. Uh, so a lot so of... That, so is that, so the, does the foster home have something to do with that, placing you there? How, how, what, what is that transition? How did yeah. you end up there? Just yeah, yes, that. it was uh, it, it was my social the social worker. So you assigned you're assigned a social worker in, in DIFES is that the name of the the, the mm-hmm. agency or whatnot mm-hmm. that deals with you know. So you're always assigned a social worker even if you live in these foster homes. So and the, the social worker she was like, Louis, you can do you can do better than this. Like you have the potential to do better." And I'm like, at that time, like. Just construction, GED, I'm like, I'm good. Like, I really wasn't doing, asking for much more. But she was like, you really have more potential. So she kind of, uh, she pushed me, nudged me to get into, like, something. Like, I, I used to like computers. That's something that I used to enjoy. She was like, mm-hmm. once you go to, this, to a technical school, learn how to do IT work, you know, I think you have the brain for it. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, she nudged me to. So she, she believed in you. I mean, yeah. it sounds like. Yes, um, she was somebody that she and when I was in the detention center, right, for a few mm-hmm. months, she's the one that came there and she was like, uh, look, you do something wrong again, you're going back to Peru. So like you need to like get it together. But I still mm-hmm. went and did it went the wrong way. But she was always there, like you said, for support, kind mm-hmm. of reminding me and believing in me, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So now <laughs> we are gonna have to speed up a little bit here. Um, so from now, what was your mindset at that point? Or was there a shift there mentally? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so technical school, uh, I was there, I, I, you know, I, st- I didn't have anyone that to support me. So I, I started uh, to, to sell weed there and, uh, and, you know, bring it into the, to the cent, to the, to the, to the Votech, right? If you get caught with that, it's a federal offense because you're in federal grounds now. Right. So, mm. Uh, but you know, like I said, at that point, like I, I didn't care. But you like, didn't care. Right. yeah. But there's a turning point, like you said. So, so during during my time there, uh, I would just had a lot of time to sit on my own and, and just kind of reflect. So I, mm-hmm. I I realized I have I can go two ways down this path, right? I can either mm-hmm. I can either you know become like a drug dealer and uh, and use kind of like just you know my mind to to be successful there. But then I felt that's a gamble because if something went wrong. Uh, then all of that can be taken away pretty easily, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it, it so it didn't yeah. feel. Yeah, so, so the risk is pretty severe. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, you know, it's it's uh, if you do get caught, that's it, the penalty and the, the uh, consequence is very real and and fairly permanent. Yeah. Sounds like so, but at this point, you're not you're not talking, you're not thinking about what's. I mean, you know, morally right or wrong, it's practically what's yeah. what's best for you know, mm-hmm. me, which I get it. I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm just, you know, yeah. I'm trying to understand where you were mentally. So, yeah. okay. So you have two ways you realize you have 
two ways to go. And I think it's important to point out that you had this, you created this, or there were, you were in uh, an element of space. So you could actually take a step back and look at the big picture. So you were, you had a lot of time to sit and think, Yes, which it okay. sounds like you're doing nowadays more intentionally. Um, but you had two ways you could go. And so what, what did you choose? Yeah. At that point? So I, I decided, you know, th- this drug stuff, I'll stop. Uh, let me finish getting my certificate here for IT. Let me get out and find a job, which I did. Uh, when I went to look for a job, then, you know, again, uh, you know, like the places I would have applied for, they asked for someone that had experience, you know, so mm-hmm. I never ended up getting a job fixing computers, like getting into IT. Mm-hmm. So at that time, you know, another another person that appeared again in my life was my foster mom on the first home that we got kicked out from, right? Even mm-hmm. though she couldn't have foster kids again, like that's still a relationship I wanted to keep. So I, mm-hmm. I, I found a way to get in touch with her. Mm-hmm. And she, she, again, she believed in me just, and I think that's mm-hmm. important to point out like yeah. somebody else that believed in me. So she convinced me to go to college, go back to college and get a degree, right? And, and at that point, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't no more getting into trouble illegally doing things, right? So mm-hmm. I ended up, you know what, let me do that. Let me go to college, let me get a degree really focused. I don't care about mm-hmm. football, sports, and whatever college has mm-hmm. to offer in terms of parties. Like I just want the degree now and, and get, you know, get to the next step in my life. So I went into a uh, DeVry University, uh, which is, was like all mm-hmm. about just classes. There was no sports and things like that. So I ended up all academics. Yeah. All academics, right. And so I went there for, uh, to be uh, for computer engineering and development. Uh, and so in there, you know, again, I think my G, my, uh, my GPA was like 3.4 or something. It was, uh, it was up there. Cause again, mm-hmm. just work, work, work. I sat in front of the, the classes, asked the questions. Uh, I didn't care whether I look stupid or not. That wasn't a priority for me. It was like, I want to get a good grade to get a, mm-hmm. get a job right after this. So that's a, that's a good, uh, note and bolt right there is don't worry about looking stupid. Just ask yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, there's so much here that we could unpack. Well, might, we might have to have you back on for a follow-up at some <laughs> yeah. point. Um, so, yeah, I just, one takeaway for me so far, you know, already is that, yes, there, you personally play a major role in your own decision-making and the actions that you take for sure. I mean, um, you could have chosen not to go the path you did choose, but it doesn't sound like it. I mean, those couple of people we already mentioned who had major, who believed in you, it doesn't, doesn't seem like it was, you know, that much of an effort on their part. I could be wrong, but to, to speak that, you know, support and belief into you and it had a major impact on your decision-making and then your, your path going forward. So, you know, that's a important for the listeners to take away as well as just if, if someone, you know, don't be afraid to to support people. And it's amazing, you know, how, how much influence it sounds like those two individuals had in your life. So I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so that the next, the next step here is, uh, you know, I went to, I ended up graduating and part of the, the graduation, they kind of have relationships with companies around the area. So I ended up getting hired by a company uh, doing a uh, software engineering work, uh, where they had, uh, you know, uh, uh, they, they would do plants, uh, they install robots and plants, and I would go travel to different parts. I would go to Singapore, I would go to Canada, I would go across mm-hmm. the country in the States and go into these plants and just do the programming portion of the, of the robots that do just kind of like, as, like supporting assembly work, whether it's newspapers, mm-hmm. whether it's hospitals to delivering food to operation rooms. And how did you get that job, did you say? Uh, 
uh, again, it was through the graduation uh, yeah. uh, of the school. They had relationships mm-hmm. with companies around yeah. the area. There's kind of a placement uh, <laughs> program there. To... Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And, and approximately what year was this? Uh, this was in 2007. I got hired. Yeah. In 2007, I got, got hired it. for this. Okay. Job. So, and then um, from 2007 until today, I know that's a long time, but if you yeah. can... Yeah, you know, absolutely. The, the highlights. That'd be yeah, great. so the, the highlight is that you know just just the, the whole backdrop of me growing up. Just yeah. take take that take that as a reference because now I get yeah. to the point where I have a I have a I have this job doing software development work. I have a, a Mary uh, making uh, six figures, and and that that kind of was the line dream as a child where I wanted to get to. Yeah. So I felt you, like you I, had made it. You made, made, made it. I made it. I made it. Yeah. A hundred thousand dollars or more <laughs> compared to what. You grew up in absolutely. I mean, that's absolutely. That's I have a lot. home now, you know, yeah. and, and so forth, right? So, but again, at this point, I'm not happy. I'm unhappy, actually. I'm frustrated, right? Should I, you know, what you know, I reached this goal, but like, I feel like I'm still grinding, right? Um, so, you know, what else can I do at this point? So there was just it, it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Um, uh, and, and this is something we, we, Lewis and I, we talked about beforehand. We, we wanted to really highlight this point of, of your story, Lewis, because, um, you know, and this is one of the things I want to make sure I avoid on this, this show in general is it's not like life is 20, 30 years of adversity and then mm-hmm. 20, 30 years of abundance or however, you know, mm-hmm. however many years you want to throw in there. It's, um, you had some serious adversity. I mean, that's an understatement for sure. And um, for many, many years, and then you worked your way toward a positive path and uh, started to have prosperity financially, right. really. And um, but then you you weren't you weren't satisfied. It, it sounds like it's even more than that. You, it's not just that you weren't satisfied. Was there what was your mindset? At that yeah. point, at, at that point, it was like uh, I reached this point, and I don't feel like happiness is uh, nearby. Uh, I'm having, you know, there's arguments uh, at home. You know, my my wife trying to be supportive, but me kind of pushing back because I'm in the mindset of how of myself. How can I make things happen on my own? You know, mm-hmm. not not yet have learned le- to leverage others' times, right? And, uh, and the, what kind of issue I was running into, like, I didn't have any kind of financial education is the point, right? I was just all college stuff to what I needed to do. So, mm-hmm. I, and, you know, and so I also at that point, like, should I even continue living? Like, what's what's the value of, of going through through life now? Like, I've made it and I still feel like there's no happiness here, you know? Uh, so, so all of that uh, started to turn at some point because maybe I thought, hey, maybe I can get into stocks and options investments, right? And maybe that'll kind of, uh, you know, give me the life that I need where I don't have to work. But that was also time intensive, you know, mm-hmm. to wake up in the weekends and kind of read through financial statements and kind of make decisions of what investments to make, things mm-hmm. like that. Then I thought, hey, maybe I can uh, open up an online store, but also that's time intensive, right? Inventory, keeping up with what to sell and things like that, right? So was your goal at this point to get to, to I mean, hope, to quit your job or was it to, yeah. um, you know, what was your goal in searching uh, yes. down these paths yeah yeah it, it was to to quit my job right and not yet but not, not yet uh thought of not not yet have a spiritual practice hasn't come into into this point right i'm thinking how can i make it outside of having to put up you know work time and still make bring money in right mm-hmm. and then finally this kind of i i listened to this uh, uh 
Robert Kiyosaki's podcast, Rich Dad, mm-hmm. Dad, and that kind of introduced me to, you know, like the financial education part, part right? Mm-hmm. Most importantly, though, was like, you know, uh, how to how to work in a team, you know, and, and leverage mm-hmm. others to, you know, to, to you know, to yeah. have financial. Well, I mean, you had ample reason for not trusting others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. you've so tried this- to rely on other people before for your whole life and it's backfired for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't blame you for having trust issues. Um, I'm all about teamwork and, you know, um, but it's easy to say when I didn't grow up in, in mm. your uh, environment. So um, you say, so you know, as we, as we speed it up to the current day, you've, you've incorporated spiritual practice, teamwork. And I know you told me before, just focusing on others, um, as opposed to, you know, just yourself. So yeah. can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so from the financial education portion, uh, one thing that, that was introduced was the seven habits of successful people. And mm-hmm. I, I got Covey. it. Yeah. Covey, and I got into that book and spiritual practice and, you know, sharpening mm-hmm. the soul was something that kind of stood up to me, but I'm like, you said, trust issues. So like, mm-hmm. how do I make this work? So, uh, I, that's where I, I, I felt like I need to find a spiritual practice that's right for me. I grew up as in a Catholic home. I went through like uh, uh, like different other religions. Uh, you know, most, uh, Islam, Muslim was like a, it was a Muslim home that I was raised in as a foster child for a few months, and they were pretty intensive, intensive. Uh, mm-hmm. But it wasn't like none of those things resonated. So then, like uh, yeah, so Zen practice uh, was was the practice that I picked up three years ago, and uh, you know, I, and now that's helped me. Uh, see things in a different way in, in the form of place of unity, uh, you know, mm-hmm. where we're not separate, we're more like a left hand and right hand to one to one entity, right? And so mm-hmm. like that mindset shift has helped me, uh, you know, at work full time, uh, you know, I got switched to part time because they didn't want to lose me. They said they'd rather have me as a part time than lose me, period, because they, mm-hmm. they found value in having me there. And I felt like part of it is that I'm, I'm happy to help others in the company, not just in my mm-hmm. team. There's other teams. We all kind of have to maintain, you know, that this company that like we have different applications. So, yeah. So in that kind of mindset of, uh, of, of you know, unity and, uh, you know, bringing value to others. Right. And kind yeah. of investment, very I feel kind of goes hand in hand with spiritual practice because in investing, going into these real, uh, you know, courses and, uh, and meetings, it was about mm-hmm. bringing value to other people, you know, yeah. and that's something that kind of resonated with me also. So how, you know, so now those are the two things that are also, you know, th- mm-hmm. that are important to me as well, right? Uh, it's, it's like how to bring value to others and uh, and then spiritual practice, uh, you know, keeping up with it. And there's so much responsibility once you realize that you know that that there is that we're all kind of one entity breathing organism right yeah we're, even though we're separating bodies we're kind of right not you know we're all kind of relative um, yeah that's the part i mean you know when my kids hear responsibility that's like that's a bad word they don't want responsibility right but really what you're getting to is you're a part of something bigger than yourself and you're you're adding value like you said mm-hmm. um so your company needed you So they didn't want you to walk away a hundred percent. So that feels good to you (laughs) to be needed. Right. So I think we all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves as much as we like to, you know, run our own day to day, not be told what to do and be our own, our own boss, which sounds cool, but uh, ultimately community and and being a part of a bigger, not just a, a group that does nothing, but 
a bigger purpose, you know, that where you're moving forward. So when I heard you say responsibility, that sounds like it gave you direction and meaning to your life versus um, when you had made it. Yes. And now what? Right. Because you were all about yourself. I mean, not again, not, <laughs> I get it. Right. And not judging. I'm just saying it's, you've sh- changed your, your perspective to yes. serving others and being a part of something bigger. So um, anything to add there before I fire off some, some questions? No, that's, that's, that's it. I'm good. <laughs> okay. Now it's quite a, I mean, that's quite a journey. I just, there's mm-hmm. nothing uh, I can say that's, <laughs> you know, it's just a wild story and but again it's and not just a story it's very real um but it's um a lot of ups and downs and not just um you know a straight trajectory of from desperation to from from adversity to abundance it's a roller coaster you know it sounds like um but you're sounds like you're in a much better place mentally spiritually financially you know than you were 20, 30 years ago. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and now, now you're into mortgage note investing and you, uh, I know you do, you started down the path of infinite banking, uh, yeah. just share, share some information about you, whether you like it or not. <laughs> no, oh, good. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, so, I mean, you, you're constantly learning about, you know, finance and, and investing yeah. and, um, which, you know, we all are, I mean, I am as well. It's never, it's not like, yeah, I'll tell you one, one thing that does come up for me is that, you know, I, I think you mentioned this earlier is that, uh, you know, even though I made it and I kind of, I'm still working through things like there is no end to where to the path that I'm going through because uh, like, I, like, like, like I said, responsibility is one thing, right? So like th- what that means is when you're going through situations, whether it's at work or, you know, in, in outside of work, uh, you're going to run into people that are going through something, you know, and and sometimes, you know, the, the mind that I used to have was fix, fix, fix. Mm-hmm. How can I, you know, once you try this, once you try that, but sometimes what's, what's needed is a space, just giving the person the space to reflect, right. Versus mm-hmm. another voice that kind of clouds their path, what they're trying to go through, maybe, you know, and sometimes you, sometimes you, you have something of value that you may want to share. So kind of, Kind of, you have to be um, conscious or mindful of the situation you're in, so that you can uh, help others, whether it's giving them space, giving them advice, or what you mm-hmm. know. So you, so did, you, did my wife tell you to say that? Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> sorry. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is that's a challenge I face because look, I mean, for the most part, if I come to you with a problem, I want a solution, right. and um, yeah. You know, it's not always the case with everyone. It depends, and it certainly depends what they're going through, like you said. So, you need to be able to read the situation and be mm. flexible on what, how to approach it. It's not just here's your solution, bye. Right. Um, so that's right. good. But um, so I'm going to fire off some questions, and then we're going to wrap up mm-hmm. here. We'll see where it goes. We'll try to keep these answers brief. Um, yeah. What do uh, what do people misunderstand about you? Uh, about me, uh, I I I think I'm very I'm shy. I'm very shy yeah. and I okay. feel and I feel like because I am shy, people may think that I don't want to relate or mm, be sure. uh, you know, or be or or be friendly, maybe, you know. Yeah. And, and so that and so that's changed recently where I'm kind of more I kind of more go out of my way to say hi or to just start a conversation, right? Uh it's not my nature. it's this out of habit. So it's kind of bringing this new habit in. Uh gotcha. you know, that's something that I'm working on, yeah. 
What's one of your biggest failures? Uh, biggest failures for me was um, I, I had a bunch, man. <laughs> right? yeah. so, it, it doesn't have to be your biggest, but one of your one that pops into your head. Yeah, you, you know, and 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 I, I for me, I wish I would have started down the path of infinite banking a lot sooner. Financial uh-huh. education, not obviously something that I found you know, unintentionally, I guess, right? But I, I wish I had a, a, that to me, if I would have started that 10 years ago, man, I, I sure. would be in a different place, absolutely. Oh, that's good. Um, if you could have coffee with a historical figure, who would you choose? Uh, for me, we're going through this book uh, in our Zen practice and, and the, the sixth grandmaster of Zen, uh, Huin Nen, uh, he was in the 700s, uh, on the 700s, uh, he was alive and okay. uh He's, a, a, huh. he's someone that I would like to, he probably won't want to have lunch. He'll probably want to sit and meditate or something, <laughs> but that's someone I would like to have met. Yeah. If you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? Uh, for me, it would be, uh, it would, I was, I think I, I will still continue note investing, building. Mm-hmm. I would like to build our own place because this place kind of is nice to be at, but it's not, you know, it's, there's still things that, that, that we're missing here mm-hmm. and work on. And, and, fi- and this nonprofit work is more to do with my, the Zen practice that I'm on that path, you know, I, I, t- I tell Maria, you know, Maria's like, we should win the lottery. Right. And I, and I, and I tell her, uh, but we don't even know what to do with $50,000. Like we're working <laughs> on that, right? So that we know what to do with $10 million, you know? Right, right. Yeah, that's that's good. And what's the nonprofit work you're doing? Uh, nonprofit, I, right now, th- right now there isn't anything. Okay. Nonprofit, but I think through the Zen practice, like Zen, like uh, our center, they're, yeah. tied, they're, they're tied to, you know, uh, visiting uh, prisons, right? I got gotcha. you. So the, the, what you're a part of is, is a nonprofit um, yeah. center. Got it. Um, let's see. What is a book or two that you'd recommend? Uh, it's going to be The Seven Habits of Success. Got people. it. That, that yeah. was a game changer for me, you know. Yeah, that was a good one. I read both uh, both the book. You, you, well, you, I guess you uh, said the podcast, but mm-hmm. you know, I certainly read Rich Dad Poor Dad back in the day. And and this is going to be controversial, according to uh, on you know for real estate investors. But it actually didn't. That book didn't actually do a lot for me. It just mm-hmm. it didn't. Um, it, it was good for a mind mindset, you know, mm-hmm. shift, I guess. But it it kind of left me like, okay, yeah, but now what, you know, but, um, uh, he did cash flow quadrant was really good. Um, I read that more recently, but, um, but the point I'm getting to is seven habits of highly effective people is that that's the book you're talking about. Yes, yes. I mean, that, that did, that was a great book. That was fantastic. Um, that I've read that a long time ago as well. Um, how about a movie that you'd recommend to watch movies? Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I do not, not as much now. Um, so I, I think I'll have, to, because I'll, I'm going to mention Korean movies, which I don't think is of any value to me because my wife is into Korean shows. Uh, so that, that that's why that, that comes up. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Anything like anything, other options besides movies? I can't think of one. <laughs> A TV show, any, anything, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I, th- I think, I think I like documentaries in general. Gotcha. Uh, that's like, uh, you know, biographies, for example, kind of sure. stuff. You know, like uh, I, there was one about Charles Chaplin. Uh, I was I was listening to or, or yep. watching the other day. Yeah, there was a movie. Cool. Like, yeah. um, what's one question you wish I'd asked you, but I haven't, I haven't asked. I I, I think <laughs> I think you've done pretty good. I, you you kind of directed me on this story. You know, uh, yeah. there, there was you know, 
there's so many directions we could have gone through with this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jamie. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't I don't think I, I think these are these points that we hit were pretty important. What what would you say do you want the listeners to take away from this episode if you had to yeah. you know drill it down or, or boil it down rather to yeah. uh distill it down to maybe two takeaways, something like that. Yeah. Um yeah. uh what would what can the listener learn from your story and your your situation? Yeah, I, I think one takeaway is that, you know, sometimes you meet people that don't know what they want in their life, right? And and sometimes you're like, oh, won't you try this, try that, right? But there is no, there is no, I, I feel like people don't have an anchor that kind of direct them in, in their path, right? For me, like I had a few that I had to go through, I feel like spiritual practice is, is a takeaway, that there needs to be like some kind of spiritual practice uh, that you're in tune with so that you realize, so to help you realize like, you're, you're part of something bigger, right? Than just yourself, I think sure. it's important, you know? So what's your, uh, and I don't want to cut you off. What's your, um, what's your take on kind of wealth and money in general? I know that that's an impossible, that's a loaded question, but you grew up in what I would consider extreme poverty mm-hmm. and now you're doing well. Uh, yeah. um, it's all relative, but yeah. Um, yeah. you know, is, is money good? evil how do you view kind of the pursuit of money what's your what's your take on that i'll be so so uh, mon, money I'll, I'll give you the story i think that was this was robert kiyosaki that that, that kind of uh, that resonated with me right mm-hmm. there, there was a, there was a, i think there was a doctor that graduated he wanted to help other people right so he had his own practice right and he was going day in and day out going into this practice you know and he made some good money out of it right but uh, he realized that he was pretty limited by his two hands right and so, and, and so then he, he went to the path of financial education, how to run a business. And then he ended up, uh, you know, building a hospital and how to hire teams to work in the hospital. Right. And then to run a business that way. Right. So that mm-hmm. he can help more people that way. Right. Yeah. Kind of, kind yeah. of a scale, you know, so sure. To me, wealth is kind of to help scale dreams. Right. Right. So I don't view yeah. It. No, I like that. It's, it, it can really expand your impact. Um, you know, it, uh, it, don't get me wrong. We have plenty of greedy capitalists in the mm. U.S. here, right? Um, and it's easy to get too focused on chasing that dollar, um, but it really gets to why are you chasing the dollar? And um, so, because I think the other, you know, uh, extreme isn't good either, where you view money as as bad or um, something. It you know, it's it can enable you to really have a greater impact on in the in the world. I think so. I, Jamie, just the, the second thing, the, the like kind of points. Second thing is like a lot people people think in terms of absolute, either yes or no, this right. way or that way. Like how can I like and going? It's, well, going, it's, it's easier. It's easier. Absolutely, it's easier. <laughs> when you get out of school, they teach you theory. They don't teach you experience, right? So the point is, you're, you're taught these theories and, and this absolutes, right? So and, right. and when you go and when so when somebody new into my team comes in, they kind of want they're expecting that, like these absolutes. What is the way to do it? You know, and sometimes. Sure. But what what I realize is through experience, you learn to be comfortable in gray areas, right? How to how to how to make decisions. Yeah. In yeah. relative to your situation, you know. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's an, uh, that's important. Yeah, that's really good. Um, <laughs> that's when I we're we're uh, short on time here, but when I I was doing jujitsu for a few years, Brazilian jujitsu, I, I need to get back to it. Um, although the, I guess the COVID numbers are going back up, I don't know. But one of the main takeaways for me from that practice was 
you know, just getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like an oxymoron or just uh, something that's impossible to get to, but you're constantly, especially if you're, um, you know, rolling with, if you're uh, going against someone who's better than you, Mm. you're going to be uncomfortable. You're not going to be able to dictate the, the, the circumstances. And so you, if you try to fight against that constantly, you're never going to, you're just going to wear yourself out and you're going to lose. So you have to be able to kind of pick your battles and time and time things appropriately. But through Mm -hmm. that, to get to that point, you have to be able to Mm -hmm. be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean severe pain. It just means be patient and just, you know, be okay with for now, not being where you want to be because an opportunity is going to present itself. And, um, yeah, that's that's definitely something I took from from jujitsu, and there's a lot mm-hmm. that can be applied from different sports to to life. But that's a, that's a different podcast episode. So, <laughs> um, no, I think we, like you said, we've covered a ton of ground. I mean, we we could have gone in seven or eight directions here. Um, yeah. Your story is I I had no idea. I mean, I think a few months ago you chimed in on on Facebook mm-hmm. about because you tend to, <laughs> from my observation, you don't comment a lot in our Facebook group, the mm. notes and bolts group. But when you do, it's, it's very valuable and there's mm. a lot of content there. It's quality mm. over quantity. Mm. Um, so, but one of the things you mentioned a few months back was, you know, about the foster mm-hmm. homes. And, um, but then when we, we've been getting to know each other more over the last couple of months, your story is, uh, I mean, it's amazing. It's mm-hmm. painful. <laughs> it's, yeah. um, You've been through a lot. Um, I, I I joke about this show that oh, does this does this potential guest meet the adversity mm. and the abundance threshold? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and you definitely met the adversity. <laughs> uh, uh, check that box uh, a, a few times for sure. But and and I think you've met the abundance. I mean, it's again, I'm not judging. It's just mm. you've come a long way, and it's. Um, I'm just thankful that you were willing to get vulnerable and, mm. and share on the show for the listeners, because that's really yeah. who it's all about. So Lewis, as we wrap up here, any, anything to add? No, I think we're good, man. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. Where, where can our listeners reach out to you if they want to, uh, uh for, for me, you? like you said, I lurk, I lurk in the notes and bolts. Community. <laughs> it's right. the no. notes and bolts from the good deeds note investing group that may change. The name may change here shortly. I don't know, but mm-hmm. any, is there an email address or anything you want to give out or you don't have to, it's up to you. Um, I, I can't, I mean, I'll give you my personal one, uh, L. Okay. L E M S one, one, one at gmail.com. Um, okay, perfect. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lewis. Really appreciate it. And to the listeners out there, we very much appreciate you spending your most valuable resource with us, which is your mm-hmm. time. Thanks yes. everyone. Take, Take care. care. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the from adversity to abundance podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? 
dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation, available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.